back. Good to be here. I was down in Southern Illinois, flew back today. Got to go back to Southern Illinois tomorrow. But I wanted to come back and share a lesson with you. Turned about three people and say, man, I'm glad you showed up tonight. Yeah, great crowd here. Great crowd. I wasn't able to be here uh, last week. The snacks look great. Are the snacks good tonight or what? Oh, my Lord. I saw apple pie there. I knew there would be just a move of the Holy Ghost tonight because of that. So, uh, hopefully, you know, those four weeks in the sanctuary, uh, just whet your appetite for uh, snacks tonight and uh, coming in. I want to I wanna talk tonight um, about the attitude of servanthood. Every so often... I feel the need to make sure that we are reminded. Our, our church, I'm very proud of this. Our church has a reputation, reputation of being servant-minded. Um, and we're going to talk tonight. Uh, a lot of times that's kind of like, oh, that's a feather in the cap. But I want to I remind us tonight that that is more than just like a nice add-on. But that is actually part of what Christ, the work of Christ in us as a church family and as people of God. Um, and then in a couple weeks here, I'm, I'm trying to find a date that works. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities and areas for service and work in the kingdom of God, in the church. You know, we've got uh, opportunities like hosting staff, ushering staff, technical staff, uh, creative staff, if you like to do decorate things. I think Sister uh, Jarris would love a break. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just all kinds of ways to serve. But before you do any of that, if, well, I should say before you, to adequately understand those opportunities, I think you have to start with the attitude that you should have towards those opportunities and realize that what we're going to talk about tonight is very much a part of your walk with God and very much a part of your relationship with God. Um, if you're, well, I don't want to get in too far. Let's start. Let's, let's look at the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, look at Matthew chapter 20. I think Brother Kevin, I, I, I dumped it on him at the very last minute, but he's giving me a thumbs up. So he's got scriptures up for you. If you don't have your Bible, uh, let me just remind you, you are in Bible study. So uh, it, it'd be good. That's like, it's like showing up to play a baseball game. You don't own a mitt. I mean, come on, right? Or a glove. So uh, let's, uh, let's bring our Bibles to Bible study. It can be electronic version. How many of you got electronic version? That's all right. Amen. But uh, I, I like the feel of a good leather Bible. Anybody like just a good leather Bible? Amen. I'm old-fashioned. I like it. All right, Matthew 20. And uh, I'm going to read 26, 27, and 28. But it shall not be so among you. Let me set this up. So the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, requests an audience with Jesus. So we want to talk to you about something. And so he says, sure, let's talk about it. And, and she said, grant it to me that, that my sons would sit on your right hand and your left hand. And there's a whole dialogue that goes on. Jesus said, well, let me tell you something. That's not for me to give, but I'll, I'll tell you what, if they're well, are they willing to be baptized with the baptism that, that, you know, I'm baptized with? And, and they said, we be able. Yes, we're, we'll do it. 
And Jesus said, well, you know, you're going to. And uh, if you historically, you look back at James and John, and they both uh, suffered and, and went through the baptism and many of the like experiences that Jesus did. But in, in that dialogue, just like it happened, I mean, this is almost funny. It almost sounds like, you know, a church problem. Um, the other 10 here that James and John are going to get something special. And, and they start, the Bible says they start to complain. So that's where we're at. And here's where we pick up the text. And, and Jesus says to all of them, he gathers them together and says, let me, let me talk to all of you. The Gentiles, they jockey for position. He tells them the, the world, let's say it that way, the world outside the church. They're the people that are, you know, they're trying to drive, they're trying to be at the top. They're trying to, you know, dog eat dog, step on top of each other. But then he says, verse 26, but it shall not be so among you. In other words, that's not how my kingdom operates. That's how the world operates, but that's not how my kingdom operates. But whosoever shall be great among you, and you got to understand, this is, this is a day and age where slavery is a common thing, all right? I mean, you know, that's a whole side issue, but at this time, just historically, slavery is, is rampant. And so you got to understand how revolutionary this is to the disciples, and really it still is. When he says to them, Who shall, whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. So let's start with the question, and I'll, I'll take a couple of you, and if, if you, as long as you give me the answers that I want, I'll take some feedback. Um, but what is, when I use the word servanthood, all right, what does that say to you? Somebody help me out, help us all out. What does it mean? What does servanthood mean? What is servanthood? Anybody? Yes, sir. Working for the master. I like that one. I like that one. Say it Say again. Stacking chairs. Absolutely can be. Absolutely can be. I'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about chairs later. Who else? Anybody else? What, what's it mean to you? What comes to your mind? Brother Bruce, you're an intellect. Come on, help us out here. Putting you on that. What does servanthood mean? Oh, I like that too. I knew I'd get a good answer if I, if I, if I got back there. Putting action to your faith. It's work. Everybody say work. We, we live in a Christian culture that has really turned relationship with God. I think they've, I'm talking about our approach and our attitude. They've really turned that around. Or maybe we have turned it around. I mean, we live in a day and age where a lot of Christianity is all about what it does for me, okay? And, and how it impacts me and how it changes me, how it helps me. And, and we all know that is all true. Has anybody been impacted and has God done anything for you, right? That's, but, but I've always said it this way, heard it this way, heard it taught, I've taught it myself. You know, before you come to the Lord, it is. It is all about what he can do for you, right? 
But the tables change a little bit after salvation. Now there is this renewed focus on what is it that you can do for him. Oh, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right, but I'm gonna prove to you that servanthood is essential and that, that God, this is something God wants from us. The attitude of submission to the work of God's kingdom, it's an attitude, and it's an attitude is one of submission. I want you to notice the words that Jesus has used, minister. He uses the word servant. It's, a, it's an attitude of submission to the work, to the action that is part of our faith, giving into that, giving ourselves to that. To, you know, just put it in a few words, it's serving the Lord. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Serving the Lord? If I asked you today, are you serving the Lord? Most everybody here would say, I hope you would. You'd say, well, yeah, I, I serve the Lord. That's, that's, that used to be the way that we told whether you were in the church or not. Are you, I serve the Lord, right? But here's, Here's the question. The better question is, how do you serve the Lord? I mean, do you just give and attend? Oh, I serve the Lord. Yeah, I come here, I get my tithes, I attend, I worship. But how do you actually serve the Lord? What service do you provide to God and his kingdom? The service of God is any work or effort you say, what, what is servanthood? This is just my words here. Is any spiritual work or effort that you do that impacts his business? What's God's business? Huh? Thank you, sir. People, souls. So the work servanthood is any work, any effort that impacts a soul. Now, for those of, those of you that says, well, that means that I'm trying to win people, and surely it does mean that. And that means I'm trying to disciple people, and surely it does mean that. But I'm going to tell you the, the, the range of the work of God that impacts souls is much wider than that. So let me submit this for your thinking. Setting up crafts for children in children's service is the work of the Lord. Aaron, you better, you better stand up and say amen. amen. All right. I know it's just Angie here tonight. She may, I know she's been sick. So working in the kitchen. So, so that, you know, when we have a, a, a church-wide family and we minister and we say, okay, we're going to feed you supper so you can be here and your, your schedule can be eased so you can hear and listen to the word of God or get some business done or whatever, whatever it is. Or, or, maybe, or maybe it's during licensing and leadership that's coming up. Here's a free plug. Okay, and, and come on, Lacey, go ahead and shout, amen. So, so we're, you know, in the effort to minister to pastors all over our, our state and their staff and come in and minister to them so they can have food to eat and they can rub shoulders, they can be trained. That is the work of the Lord. Neil, here's your shot. Pushing a cart out to somebody's car at the food bank. What is that? It's work that impacts a soul. Hosting and making someone feel welcome when they walk in to our service or they walk into our room. An usher opening the door. An usher making sure that the place is secure. What is that? That is the work of the Lord. And yes, Bruce, I put one in there for you. Teaching a Bible study. Bruce, come on, man. I'm, it's a softball. I'm lobbing it up. Thank you. 
That's work that impacts souls. Where's Brother Shoe? Is he here tonight? Where's Brother Shoe? Brother Shoe, here's yours. You ready? Working with the quiz teams in any capacity, a coach or, or quoting a kid or, or driving a van or whatever it is, being a chaperone. Okay, come on now. I'm trying to help. It's the work of the Lord. Jonathan, moving chairs and tables. I am. I have been. You know what? If you would have told me when, as a 16-year-old kid, when God called me to ministry and said, "You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to be, you're going to spend your life in ministry," I would have never. You I would have never guessed the thousands of chairs and tables that would be in the middle of that calling. Amen. Everybody moving chairs. It's what is that? It's a word. Putting tables out so people can come here and they can listen to the word of God. It's the work of the Lord. Jesus would tell us servanthood is essential. He would speak through the, the words of Paul in, in Philippians 2 and 5, and he would say the key words here, listen, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, even though he had the credentials of Lord and Master, he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, been being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled. Everybody say humbled. He humbled himself, and we'll talk about that later, and became obedient. Everybody say obedient. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Everybody say, let this mind be in you. Here's what this scripture shows us. Those very few words at the very beginning shows us. This scripture shows us the truth that the attitude of servanthood is two things, both attainable and expected. God would never tell you to let something happen in your life that you could, you could not let happen. And it also shows us that he expects this. That servanthood is both attainable and expect this is something God expects of us. And in a culture of Christianity, again, that seems to be hyper-focused on what God can do for us, here's why I'm talking about this tonight. The church can never forget that part of our relationship with him, part of our serving him is service. We can never forget who we are. Look at somebody at your table right now and say, don't forget who you really are. I mean, I, I know you're, you've done a lot of things. I know you have a lot of accomplishments. I'm looking around here and there's professionals. There's lots of people who've been to school and there's lots of people that have worked hard in their jobs. You've gotten somewhere. You got a few little trinkets you can call your own. You own a home. You've got a car. There's a lot of nice cars out there in the parking lot. I know the blessing of the Lord is upon you, but please don't forget who you really are. Self-awareness is a gift that you give to yourself. This is, a, and, and here, here's what, if, if you need a little clue, let Paul help you. Romans 12 and 1. I beg you, I beseech you, brethren, because, or in the context of the mercies of God that have been poured into your life, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy 
acceptable to God. And watch this, which is, come on, help me, come on. You're reasonable. It's only reasonable that you serve. It's reasonable. Man, that just kind of blew, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that just kind of blew our excuses out of the water, didn't it? Too tired, it's reasonable. Too busy, it's reasonable. Got too much on my plate. Uh, somebody else got reasonable. Am I say reasonable? Because of God's mercies, our bodies are a living sacrifice. You know what Paul was saying? He was really saying because he gave his, he wants you to give yours. And, and isn't, it, isn't it important that we understand that he said your bodies? He didn't talk about your spirit, your soul. He said your bodies. Everybody say bodies. That's action, the action of our faith. So Paul was not talking about some spiritual concept here, some kind of inward thing. Paul was talking about service. I'm asking you to devote not just your mind, not just your soul, the inside, the inner man. I Everything that you are to belong to Christ. Now, servanthood, we all understand. I, I don't think this is, you know, groundbreaking or revelatory. Servanthood is absolutely opposite, opposite of human nature and everything that is human in us. And we understand that because we're fallen, we're broken. Even with the Holy Ghost, our flesh is still flesh, right? 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 I, I didn't see anybody float to the walls here tonight. Y'all use the door, all right? So we're all still flesh. And in the humanity, there is brokenness. There is a perpetual state. And it is now commanded by the Holy Ghost, amen? Ruled by the Holy Ghost, directed by the Holy Ghost, but there's still flesh. Everybody say flesh. Human nature is opposite of what Jesus is talking about tonight. I read a quote that said, servants are heaven's heroes. True heroism is remarkably sober, very undramatic, and it is not the urge to surpass all others at whatever cost, but the urge to serve others at whatever cost. James and John, oh, just let us sit on one side or another. But Jesus said, no, that's, that's, that is not what my kingdom is going to be about. Whosoever is going to be great among you, let him be your, what was the first word? It starts with an M. Minister, right? And whosoever will be chief among you, the greatest, let him be your what? Starts with an S. Even as the Son of Man, and here's our example, even as I, Jesus said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give my life a ransom for many. That word minister, yes, it can mean teacher and, and pastor and leader, but do you know what the real meaning and the context of spirit behind that word is? It is, it means to run errands. This means a lot of sense to me. This is a lot of sense to me. Minister means to run errands like an attendant or a waiter at a table and other small menial duties. He said, let, let him be your minister. Let him, you want to be great? Then be a minister. Oh, that means I jump in a pulpit. No, 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 no. No, be a waiter. Be an errand boy. Be, be, be somebody that says, there's no chair that is beneath me. There's no job that is smaller than me because if it's kingdom work, it's worth doing and it's worth my time. 
God's kingdom is quite backwards from this world. That word servant, it literally means slave. He said, let him be your slave. In the whole context that we think of the word slave, in the whole context of the, the way that we think about the, the, you know, the whole issue of slavery, he said, let him be your slave. Yeah, God's kingdom is backwards from this world. In this world, the lowest assignments receive the least reward, right? That entry-level stuff, they've received the least reward. Only in God's kingdom does entry-level become the leader and the most and the greatest. Least is greatest in God's kingdom. Least is leadership, while most is entry-level. Everybody say it's backwards, backwards from what we're used to. It's hard to grasp. Now you can sit there and nod your head, but I'm telling you, it's hard for us at times to grasp this, especially when it comes to action, the rubber meeting the road. Jesus used servant-lord relationship to describe our attitude towards his work. He used master and slave mentality to describe how we are to have an attitude towards the work of God. Can I just remind everybody just for a moment, just for a moment, we use this word loosely, but let me tell you, it means a lot. Do you know, we, we call him Lord. Let me, did, did you hear what I said? We call him Lord. We use, I, I thank my Lord and Savior. Oh, okay. Do you know what a Lord is? A Lord, thank you. Real term, a Lord is a master. A master that's got slaves. So understand, we call him Lord. We believe that Paul was on point when Philippians 2, when he said that at the name of Jesus, every shall bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue, that means you, that means me, should confess that Jesus Christ is Father, is friend, is blesser. No, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That Jesus Christ, every tongue, confess that he is master. Servanthood is submission of our efforts to the Lord's kingdom and making those first and foremost. Also, servanthood doesn't always feel spiritual. You would think that something God would tell you to do would feel really spiritual. Anybody else? I mean, I know I, I, I kind of feel that way. But here's the thing. Servanthood doesn't always feel spiritual, but it always must be spirit-led. Man, everybody say, Spirit-led. The most menial tasks should be and definitely can be Spirit-led. Now, we think, you know, when we say Spirit-led, we're thinking about, oh, no, that's, that's the bigger stuff. That's like, you know, the words that I speak to somebody in discipleship. You know, I need to be led of the Spirit when I talk to somebody. That's like a preacher or a pastor. He needs to be led of the Spirit when he preaches. And all those things are true. But I'm telling you, every task, every part of the work of God in his kingdom should be and can be Spirit-led. We need to have the Holy Ghost on every van driver. 
God's goal is for the Holy Ghost. Now, I understand people can serve in different areas and different spiritual parts of their journey where they're at. I'm not trying to say they can't, but I am saying this, that the goal of God is for the Holy Ghost to be wrapped up in everything that we do. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Everything. That means even moving chairs. Listen, I've seen a lot of flesh move chairs. In fact, there's sometimes I'm like, Lord, please give us the Holy Ghost. You know, we, we need your, we need your help here. All right. I've seen, I've seen a lot of flesh in the food bank. Not picking on anybody. I've seen flesh in a lot of operations and it just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind how we can get so fleshly and carnal about doing spiritual things. The Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost has got to be in everything that we do. Now, we're not the only ones to run into this. If you've heard me teach on the servanthood before, you know where I'm going. Acts 6. They had a food bank. Amen? In those days, the number of disciples was multiplied. They had this problem. The church was growing. Okay, and uh, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Oh, wow. You know, so now we got racial issues going on here. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. How come those people, they get more groceries than these people get? What is the problem? Is anybody smirking at this point? Anybody laughing? Anybody smirking? Then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them. The apostle said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Okay? They weren't saying they were too good to do it. They were saying, here's what we've been called to do. Here's the task that God has for us. We're supposed to be teaching the word of God. But obviously they said we can't do what God has told us to do because there's these other things that need to be done. We need help. Everybody say help. That's the body of Christ. Help. Okay. We need help. But watch this. Listen to what he said. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. Seven men of honest report Full of what? The Holy Ghost. They said, listen, our food bank needs the Holy Ghost. Okay? So, so insert ministry here. Our usher staff needs the Holy Ghost. Our children's staff needs the Holy Ghost. Our kitchen staff needs the Holy Ghost. He said, well, why are they worried about these menial things? Because they're all important to the kingdom of God. They impact a soul. They were wise enough leaders to realize we could sit here and preach until we're blue in the face, but there's other things that are going on that, that in the church that yes, they look small, they look insignificant, but they impact souls. So we can't just let them go undone. But neither can we just trust that, that without God that they're going to get done. We need God involved in the small things and we need God involved in the middle things and we need God involved in the big things. We need God everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. everywhere. So he said, get men full of the Holy Ghost. John, or Jesus would say this in John chapter 12. He said, if any man serve me, let him follow and where I am, there shall also my servant be. And if any man serve me, him will my father honor. The New Living Translation says this, anyone who wants to serve me has got to follow me. Because where my servants must, the, my servants must be where I am. Here's a great question for all of us tonight. Am I where he's at? In the ministry that I'm working in, 
or in the lack of ministry that I'm working in? Am I where he's at? What are you saying? I'm saying spirit-led. Spirit-led. Are you where he's at? We can fall in the trap of serving out of experience. Well, this worked pretty well in the past. What worked once will work again. Why reinvent the wheel? That seems to make sense. You know, best practices. But what happens when our experience no longer meets the need of the season that we are in? What happens when how we used to do it and what we used to do and what we, what, you know, what, what, so I can, I've done this for 20 years. What if God has more for you to do? Or what if God has different for you to do? Everybody say spirit led. So see this, I'm not just saying, oh, pastor's just trying to get, he's got some gaps he's got to fill. I'm saying this is part of your relationship with God. And part of following after the spirit is finding out what is the work of God that I'm supposed to be a part of. And you can't just rely on past experience. Well, I've always done this, so that's what I do. Well, you know, Moses had a problem with that. He came, he came to one place where the people of God were thirsty, and God said, take a rod and strike the rock, and water's going to come out. It worked. Did it work? Anybody read that story? It worked. But then they got thirsty again. <laughs> and God says, okay, I got a rock, but this time speak to the rock. But out of frustration... Two different rock experiences, two different problems. The problem with experiences, many times they rely on emotion. Okay, so, well, that experience worked. You had a good experience. You felt good about it. And so you look back at that and it relies on emotion. The problem is when, you know, the emotions aren't good the second time, it can throw you into a tizzy. Experience is also limited. You only have so many, Right? Experiences also can be stale. The, the, the Bible says this, that Moses, because he didn't allow himself to be led by the voice of God in the season that he was in regarding the work that he was to do, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you will not bring this congregation to the land that I have given them. Moses missed out on everything that God had for him because he failed to obey God in leading him in the work that he did in a moment. Everybody see that? You see how detrimental, you see how important it can be to be led by the Spirit? What a small thing. Brother Bruce, he's just trying to get everybody water. And they're complaining and they're hard to deal with and they're people and there's personalities and all these things. He's just trying to do the work of God. But he gets frustrated. He leans back on an experience instead of hearing what God has to say. Let's read it again. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be. Anybody who wants to serve me must follow me because my service must be where I am. We've got to be on the same page with God. That's why we want a spirit-led servant culture here at APC. Okay? I, 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 don't, I don't want... My hope is that every person serves the kingdom of God the way the Holy Ghost asks them to. Because you can, here's the thing about organization. You can wind up creating a process to try to catch everything, to catch all the problems, to catch all the needs, to catch, you can, processes are easy to come up with, right? The problem is this, and, and even business will tell you this, processes by nature almost always fail at some point because they're not perfect. 
which is not a big deal. Well, you just adapt and move on. Unless you're the person that the process failed for. And when we're talking about the eternal value of souls, we cannot rely on processes. We must rely on the power of the Spirit. Now, I'm not trying to say it's either or or mutually exclusive, but the Holy Ghost led processes trump process alone every single time. But if we can get a culture where spirit-led service is just part of our nature, it's part of what we do, there's a constant adaptation to the environment and the sea, and, and then seasons won't stop us, okay? Grow, growth patterns won't stop us. We'll go another 100 people, and we'll have another 100 people in our sanctuary on Sunday, but we won't have to, like, stop. Oh, what are we going to do because our processes don't fit 350 now. We won't be worried about that because the Holy Ghost will be leading us in that service. Let me show you what this looks like. So let's say God says, I'm going to dump a hundred soul revival on you. And next Sunday, next Sunday, you're going to have a hundred more souls in a spirit led kingdom-minded church. There are Holy Ghost-filled people that don't say, oh, look, there's like three hostesses and they're overwhelmed. We really ought to do something about that. No, a Holy Ghost-filled person that says, there are people here that need to be greeted. They need to be touched. They need to be interacted with. I'm not going to wait on somebody else. I can see they're overwhelmed. I'm going to almost step up and do my job. Do you see what I'm saying? What happens when I don't need a mandate and I don't need a title, and I don't need somebody to define, I don't need a job description. What I need is the work of the Holy Ghost in me to say there's a person, there's a need, there's a gap, and I have the absolute ability, the ridiculous ability to fulfill it. Amen? Now that is a culture that grows a church. That's a culture that grows a church. So we need ministry and care without a mandate. We need to realize that the church is a family. It's not a business. It's a living organism. It's not a dead organization, all right? We need ministry and care without mandates, without titles. And the hope of this, this pastor is that every church gets mobile, I'm sorry, every member of our church gets mobilized, mobilizes themselves, puts themselves into a position to be a spirit-led minister. Every Holy Ghost-filled person in this church is a minister. You all, some of you just got a promotion. Clap your hands. Thank God for it. Hallelujah. I didn't know I was a minister. Put it on your business card. Go ahead. Okay, do we have business cards anymore? I guess, I don't know. Put it, put it on your Facebook or something. Don't, don't they have like a little subtitle? You know who you are? Somebody ought to put on there tonight, I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. And when people say, oh, did you get your license? You can say, yeah, when I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm a waiter. I'm an errand boy. I'm a, I'm a runner. I'm, what, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that's looking for the opportunity in the kingdom of God to do the work of God. Amen. Amen. Our goal is for everyone to serve. Yes, where they are gifted. And that's important. There are some people like, you know, I think about Kevin here. Kevin, he's, he's, he's like super guru with anything electronic, all right? Just amazes me. And so, yeah, we don't want to, uh, can you cook? Sometimes. I think he can make gumbo, but other than that, I don't know if we want Kevin in the kitchen. 
Okay? So I'm all for people being working where they are gifted. That's important. But also fulfilling gaps where they are needed. Isn't it interesting? At least from what we read in Acts 6, the qualifications for what was needed was we need some waiters. But, but none of that was mentioned. None of that was mentioned. I mean, if it was me, Bruce, come on now. now you're a businessman. You, you ran a company or two or something. You've done something, right? Yeah, I think you have. You had not done anything? I don't believe that. All right, so here's what I'm saying. If, if I'm going to hire... If I'm going to hire a, a programmer or a coder or a developer, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go look for somebody that's either had some school or some experience or some giftings in that area, right? Anybody else? Okay, if, if you are trying to get a contractor to work on your roof, isn't the first question you want to ask is, have you ever put on a roof? Absolutely. That's your logic, right? But, but do you read any of that in Acts 6? None of it. None of it. They didn't say, is there anybody that knows how to run a food bank? Okay, let's find somebody that knows food service. Let's, let's make sure so we get the right person, you know, that whole business thing, get the right person in the right seat on the bus, all that stuff. I'm not saying that's wrong, but here's what I'm saying is the Holy Ghost trumps all of that. He said, I want them of a, uh, an honest report. I want them to have wisdom, and I want them to have the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, and I think the apostles, I think like the apostles think, I'll take a person operating with the leading of the Holy Ghost over a person operating with experience any day. Let me say that again. I know you're like, oh my Lord, don't let him hire anybody. No, I'm telling you, I'd rather, because I've had people with experience, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost or at least enough of it. They had expertise, they had skill, they had knowledge, but they did not have the work of the Spirit in their life. I would rather have inexperience, don't know, I don't know, tomatoes from apples. But pastor, I will follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And if you need somebody to push some carts, I'm your man. I'll take it any day. And that's what the apostles said. They said, you know what? Let's make sure they're a, they're a, uh, they're a good report, that they're honest guys, that they're full of the Holy Ghost and the wisdom of God. And if you read that through, and I'm taking way too long here, but if you read that through, one of those was Stephen. Anybody remember Stephen? Yeah, Stephen, Stephen would testify in front of the religious, the religiosity of, of the time, and he would be a huge witness for Christ. And he was a table waiter. Yeah, Philip, anybody remember Philip? Philip was one of those seven. Anybody remember Philip? Anybody remember two, two chapters later? There's a lot of time in between there, maybe, but, but two chapters later in our Bible, we got a guy named Philip, same guy. And he walks into Samaria and has revival that only that some pastors, most pastors, all pastors would die for. People just, they, you know, miracles and signs and wonders. People being baptized. I mean, you need a little help getting full of the Holy Ghost. What pastor does it? But he, he was having revival. What was he? Table waiter. Minister. Servant. But full 
of the Holy Ghost. So here's what I'm trying to say, and let's move on. What time is it? Okay. Servanthood is a work of the Holy Ghost in you. It is not an obligation that you fulfill because somebody told you to. I want you to understand. If you walk, I guess if you walk away with anything, walk away with this. Servanthood is a work of the Holy Ghost in you. Just like anything else. Just like any other fruit of the Holy Ghost. Just like any other work of God in your life. Just like any other result. If you are not doing, serving the Lord, hear me. You are not fulfilling the complete will of God in your life. That's how strong I feel about it. If you don't have a place of service in the kingdom somewhere, then there needs to be a conviction that sets on you right now. Not because, I'm not talking about a guilt. I'm, guilt's different. Listen, I've tried to guilt people into working, and it works sometimes. I'll be honest, it works sometimes. I can guilt some people into doing some stuff. But you know what I found out, Brother Kevin? That doesn't last very long. But what does last long is the work of the Holy Ghost, conviction. Where God comes down and says, you know what? I've really got some things for you to do. Why aren't you doing them? I've really got some work for you to accomplish. Why aren't you a part of that? Servant, servanthood is the work of the Holy Ghost in you. Servanthood is eternal. Let me remind you, it's eternal. What you do for the kingdom of God lasts beyond this life. Yes. You were created for this. When I say created, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your new man. You were created for this. You were created for good works. And I would tell you as a spiritual being, you are at your best and your happiest when you serve the kingdom. This is a great place for somebody, Holy Ghost-filled servant, to say amen. amen. You are at your best and you are at your happiest when you are serving and doing the work of God. I'm not saying it doesn't make you tired. Chairs are heavy, especially 300 of them. They're heavy, okay? <clears throat> I'm not saying that there's not fatigue. I'm not saying that it doesn't, doesn't you know, uh, take away from you or, or that you don't, you know, need rest from it or any of that stuff. But I'm telling you, okay, I'll just say it for myself. I am at my happiest when I know I'm fulfilling the will of God in my life. When I know, you know I, was, I was thinking about this the other day. We were, I was, I've been talking with my friend. I've been traveling with my friend. And we were talking about preaching. I said, you know what? I, it took me so long to learn to stop worrying about how people reacted and start worrying about how God reacts to what I'm saying. Because here's what I want to do. I want to go home tonight, and I want to know I was led of the Holy Ghost. I said what God told me to say, and I don't care. I mean, it's great if you amen it, but that, that helps me a little bit. But at the end of the day, here's what makes me happy when I know I've done the will of God. And that's, you know, I'm a preacher. That's what God's called me to do. But I've had that same feeling, Jonathan. When I move chairs, and I have that same feeling when I work at the food bank, and I have that same feeling when I work in the altars, and I have that. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? This isn't without, oh, I gotta do it again. If that's your attitude, then something's wrong. You could be tired, that's okay. It can mess with your schedule and be inconvenient, that's okay. But it feels good to serve God if you serve Him right. You're at your happiest when you serve the kingdom. It feels good because you feel God. You're doing his stuff. You have his mind. You have his attitude. Ephesians 2 and 10, this is a new international version. He said, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good 
works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus told us, everybody say eternal. He told us, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everybody say heaven. Where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Servanthood is one of the ways that you do that. It's not the only way. But you do, you lay up treasures eternally when you serve God. When you do his work. Do you hear what I just said? There's a bank, listen, there's a bank, there's an account up in heaven. I'm talking about the believers right now, or I'm talking about those who've been baptized. There's a, there's a day of reckoning. There's a judgment seat of Christ that we will all stand before as saved, raptured people, and we will be judged by the works that we do on this earth as part of his kingdom. Servanthood is one of the ways that you lay up treasure. Listen to me. Your work in God's kingdom will be weighed. The last thing I want to do is stand before God and say, what did you do? No other foundation can anyone lay that was laid, which is Christ Jesus, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, Paul said, you, were, you build people, we're, we're a different, there's different giftings, different talents, and, and Paul said, you're building a work on top of the foundation of salvation and Christ in your life. And, and there's lots of different materials and there's lots of different places that we all know. I mean, there's people like Kevin that can do everything, right? And God's going to use them mightily. People like Adina that's got all kinds of talents and she can sing and she can nurse and she can teach and, you know, she got a lot of stuff going on for her. Then there's just poor old me that just yells at people. Okay? Gold, hay, straw. We've all got different levels, different abilities, and there's going to be different giftings and different amounts of work that's done. But here's the key. Listen, each one's work will become clear for the day. And when he's talking about the day, he's talking about the day. He's talking about that day of Christ. The day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Does anybody remember Jesus in the parable of the talents? This is what he was talking about, I believe. He said, I gave one five, gave another two, gave another one. He got real happy with the five. He said, I took five and I made five out of it. Jesus said, well done. Guy with two, he brought back two more. And Jesus said, well done. The guy with one, he said, I buried it. I didn't do anything. I just kept it. I just kept this, this tabernacle. What do you think, Jesus? What do you think? Man, I stayed holy. I didn't, I didn't go against any of your commandments. But Jesus says, well, but where's the fruit? And he calls the one that buries and does nothing with what Jesus gave him. He calls, listen, harsh, wicked, and slothful servant. You wicked, lazy, idle servant. Listen, nothing done for Christ is not an option for us. So my question is, what are you working on? Because servanthood 
is an eternal issue. So if all that is true, if, if servanthood is essential, if service is his mind and his attitude, and, and, and we're supposed to be becoming like him, right? Right? Right, I just preached that not too long ago. Glory to glory. One degree of glory to another. More like him. We're being made more and more into his image. Well, what is, in this context, what is he? He's got an attitude that's a minister and a servant. So the longer we serve God, the more ministry and the more service we should be given to. If service is his mind and his attitude and we're becoming more like him, if servanthood is a work of the Holy Ghost that we say we have been changed by and filled with, if servanthood is eternal and according to Paul, our only our reasonable service, then just in my finite little mind, there should never be a volunteer shortage. Right? I mean, the chairs should always be moved. The baby should always be watched. Oh, I hit a nerve there, didn't I? The lawn should always be mowed. Every, I mean, the kitchen should always be full. If, if this is part of Christ in us, then all of our excuses walked out with those two words, reasonable service. But the fact is, there is a shortage. Mm, what do we do with that? There should never people, there should never be people who just hang out in the house but never go all in. But there is. Right? Why is that? Why is that? I've been pondering. I've been pondering. If you're wondering, is there an answer? I've got a couple possibilities. Three. And we'll end with this tonight. Number one, this is going to be hard to take. People don't work for God because they're lazy. Not everybody, but there are those that are just pure lazy. Ecclesiastes 11 says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Do you know what that really is? He said, look, as long as you're looking for excuses, you're never going to do anything. Everybody say excuses. Just so you know, I'm not even the Lord and I can see him. And the truth is, most of us can see him. People around you can see him. If you're making excuses for why you're doing nothing, listen, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to prompt you a little bit, push you a little bit. Really, you need to call it what it is. That's just laziness. Let me give you God's approach towards excuses. If you say, Proverbs 24 and 12, if you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, doesn't he know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? I guess the wisdom writer is telling you, you ain't fooling anybody. Excuses our excuses. If you're so, so what are you trying to say, Pastor? Listen, let me just maybe give you a, a, a guide here. If your first reaction to opportunities to serve is I can't because, and I'm talking about your first reaction, and I'm here to tell you that's where our minds go first. That's where our carnal minds go. I can't because. Then you may want to check your attitude of service. 
You may want to check your attitude of servanthood. First thoughts at every opportunity of a servant of God should be, how can I make this happen? How, how can I make this happen? Every time you see it or someone says it or there's a call for it, there should be something in the heart of the Holy Ghost inside you that says, how can I be a part of this? How can I make this happen? Now, you can't always make it happen. I get it. Here, here's the thing about it. She got all those gifts I talked about, but she also works a job. 40 hours plus sometimes, right? And, and you know, they like to eat. Anybody else? Anybody else have a job? Raise your hand if you have a job. If you don't, leave your hand down. We're going to pray for you. The Lord will give you a job. Brother Bruce, we're just praying that God will give you a job. <laughs> Brother Bruce will retire. He worked for years. And, and I would argue he works a job right here at APC. You don't even know. So, so thank you. So everybody's got jobs. So I'm not talking about that stuff. All right. I'm not talking about sometimes knows the right answer, but just hear me very quickly. No should only be the answer for two reasons. Number one, spiritual, personal health being impacted and family spiritual health being impacted, right? So there are times, there are times, and it's usually somebody, let me just be very clear. It's usually somebody that's on the other end of the spectrum that says, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? And there are people that can find themselves with their hands in so many places that their own spiritual health is being impacted. For instance, if you're serving every single cotton picking, did I say that? Cotton picking Sunday, then I understand there may be some spiritual impacts that we need to address. You see what I'm saying? And, and if, if you're doing so much for the kingdom of God that you're ignoring your children or your wife or your husband, then I would tell you your first act as a minister is to your family. Your first act of ministry is to your own personal health and soul. The second's to your family. But let me just tell you, let me just kind of balance that out. These circumstances, these no's are few and far between. If I had to assess, I would tell you the body of Christ is not doing enough. It's not that they're doing too much. The second thing that defeats servanthood in our life, it's, it's real simple. It's pride. It's pride. If, if, I was thinking, praying, whatever, and, and here's what I've decided. We need a baptism of humility in the church. We, we need to remember who we are. We need humility in the church. Jesus said this. He, he brought a child. He put him in his lap, and he said, whosoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of God. You know, um, a lot of things get done when people humble themselves before the Lord. I had, and if you've heard this story, I apologize, but I had somebody contact me, and they were contacting me in the context of their job and their career, and they're saying, look, I just want to get your take on something. Do you have any advice for me to advance myself and to do well and do all this stuff? And they went through all this, and I, and I said this, and this has actually become a motto around here. I said, uh, and it just popped in my mind. I'll be honest with you. I believe it was from the Lord. It said, never stop moving chairs. What's the, what's the most base thing you can do? Maybe clean the toilets is a little bit lower. But the most base thing that you could do in the house of God is moving chairs. And heaven knows 
In every church, chairs are moved every week. I mean, I don't know what it is. We can't find and keep the chairs in the same place, but moving chairs. I told this young man, I said, never stop moving chairs. Don't you ever get big enough or too good enough to do the most menial task. I don't care how much God blesses you, how high he exalts you. If you can't move a chair, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And just so you know, pride is not just thinking too much of yourself. Sometimes it's just putting your priority over his. Also pride. Pride sucks servanthood out of us. And number three, and I'll end tonight, is just pure distractions. People don't work for God because they're distracted. Sometimes it's not even that they don't have the intent or the want or the desire. And it's not that they're not a motivated person. Sometimes there's just too much. Everybody say, too much. Distractions. Some of them we create ourselves. We get our lives busy with stuff and, 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 and uh, just, you know, ulterior stuff. It's not kingdom stuff. It's not necessarily bad stuff. It's not necessarily wrong stuff, but it's not kingdom stuff. Listen, if you find yourself not able to serve in the kingdom because of other obligations that are not kingdom obligations and are not obligations to your family and your well-being, you need to check your attitude of servanthood. Sitchins we create, I'm too busy. Here's what we really say. There's no, there's no room for the work of God in my life. There's no room for me to serve. There are also other distractions and, and that are circumstances that, that we don't create, nor do we control, but neither do we navigate or prioritize correctly. We all have circumstances we did not dream up, that we did not behave our way into, that had nothing to do with our duty. It just got dropped on us. Okay, a health situation, God dropped on us. A family situation, it just plopped itself in my lap. A work situation plopped itself in my lap. But we can never lose the sight of the truth where Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But what about my job? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But what about my circumstances? Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, that sounds so one-sided, but listen, finish the scripture and all these other things. Jesus said that on the tail end of saying, why are you worrying about all these circumstances that you have zero control over? Why are you giving it bandwidth in your time? Why are you letting this impact you? Don't you know? You're fine. Look at the lilies. Look, look at creation. Look how I take care of everything. And, and these are just things. You don't think I'm going to take care of you? Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I think of Mary and Martha. Martha comes in and says, Mary is not doing the dishes. I have dishes to do. She's not doing the dishes. And Jesus, you would have thought, he said, you know what, Mary, honestly, there are a lot of dishes. Look at all these people. But instead, Jesus said, Martha, you're off. You're off because, see, Mary has chosen what? Anybody remember? The good part. She's shown the good part. He, he didn't say that there wasn't another part to be done. My guess is that when he got done saying what he was going to say and doing what he was going to do, it, my guess is he probably said, now, Mary, please go help Martha before she has a, a meltdown, all right? I don't know that. I'm not adding the scripture. I'm just supposing, all right? But in the time, 
He said, Mary is focused on what she needs to focus on. She, she's got, yes, there are circumstances here that need to be addressed, but they don't need to be addressed now. What needs to be addressed is the kingdom now. Amen? Distractions. We can't lose sight of that truth. So in summary, let's realize tonight that serving and working in God's kingdom is part of my relationship with God. It's not a feather in my cap. It's not an addition. It's not a good to have. It is part of my relationship with him. And if I am not serving and working somewhere, I am missing the will of God and all that he has for me. And it is attainable and expected. God expects it. And he would never expect anything of you that you could not attain or do yourself. Let everybody say, let this mind be in you. So let's open our eyes and our hearts and allow the Holy Ghost to lead us in this quest to serve him. Let's keep in the front of our minds the truth that the work that we have been called to is eternal. That every, even the most meaning, me, seemingly meaningless thing, the most meaningful task that impacts a soul is eternal and it counts in God's reconciliation book. Let's eliminate. Let's eliminate the things that are taking servanthood away from us. Let's, let's be honest. If we're being lazy, let's get to work. Let's get rid of excuses. Let's, let's stop starting with I can't and start thinking how can I make this happen? The pride. Let's, let's get rid of, of anything anything that is above the humility of Christ. If, if, if Christ could subject himself to the death of the cross, I can move a chair. Right. I, I, can, I can do the lowest. I can clean the toilet when it's not nice even because he subjected himself. Let's eliminate the laziness, the pride, and the distractions, and let's do what Paul said. Let's become living sacrifice. He gave his body, so he said, you need to give yours. Would you pray? Lift your hands. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the salvation that you have brought to your life. We thank you for the foundation that is you, your truth, your salvation, your word. We thank you for that, Lord, but tonight we focus our hearts and our minds on the work of your kingdom, God, we, we focus our minds on that part of our relationship. It's not everything, God, but it's part of it. And Lord Jesus, there must be fruit. There must be work. You've called me unto good works. And you appropriated this. You put it together. Even before you, you've, you set it in motion, God. For every person in this building, Lord, there is a calling. There is a spirit-led calling to do the work of God in every member of this place. And we thank you for that, Lord. Now show us. God, let us be obedient, Lord Jesus, to follow after, to do it, to do it to the best of our abilities with excellence as you are excellent. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. Don't forget Sunday, we're going to have a great service. Connection classes at 10 and then worship service at 11. Let's fill this house. Amen. God's going to do great things. God bless you. Go in Jesus' name.